I take up a weighty subject with you today, an unpopular subject, a rare subject. No one hardly is left that wants to deal with it. Few pulpits preach it, though it is just as much in the Bible today as it was in the days of Jonathan Edwards and in the days of the Apostle Paul and the days of John the Baptist, Elijah the Tishbite, Moses and Noah. Though they didn't have a Bible all the way back to Noah, they had the revelation from God, and the subject of his wrath and judgment was very real then, as it should be to us now. I have chosen to use slides in the hope that it might help comprehension and keep you alert to the subject. You are welcome to move forward if you need to, instead of crowding in the back where you can't see very well. But it's your choice. I do the best I can. I hope you're doing the best you can. I'm supposed to preach to make my conscience clear before God and men. I hope that you're listening to keep your conscience clear before God. God's wrath will soon explode in violent and fiery vengeance against all things. It is the end of the universe, and we are told about it in advance, and it is coming. God's wrath will soon explode in violent and fiery vengeance against all things. It is a shame very few, if any, preach this topic like the apostles preached it. It is very rare. We have celebrated God recently with holy laughter from Isaiah and Job. And we enjoyed those sessions as we should because that's part of God's word also. We have celebrated Paul with joy for preaching Jesus to us Gentiles. A number of sermons about his preaching trips. But we must also preach this subject. So there's more than Isaiah and Job and God boasting about himself, and there's more than the preaching trips of Paul. There's the wrath of God coming and the end of this universe. The end of the universe. God tells us about it in advance, just like he told Noah about the end of the earth in advance. And Noah tried to tell others, and no one would listen to Noah, and no one wants to listen to this today. God's wrath will soon explode in violent and fiery vengeance against all things. How many will listen to a few preachers like Noah that preach about a far worse day that is coming soon? But the end of all things is at hand. You may wonder, the end of the universe? Really? Yes. God's wrath will soon explode in violent and fiery vengeance against all things? Yes. But the end of all things is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Those of you that take notes, may I make a kind suggestion? It is contrary to any study technique to comprehend when I'm providing all the notes on a screen and they'll all be available in just a few hours. Just a little thought. I've made the notes for you. All the verses. Every thought is going to be on slides. And it's all going to be available in just a couple of hours. I want your attention because God wants your attention and his word deserves your attention. I hope that you're not distracted by anything. 
I hope that any electronic devices you have are turned off. You don't need your electronic device for the Bible. I've got the Bible in front of your eyes. What are you looking at it for? Michigan isn't playing Michigan State until this afternoon. The end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. We ought to be sober people and watching and praying. And that's based on this therefore, because the end of all things is coming. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. We generally go into this verse because we like these words. My words shall not pass away. But I want you to notice that Jesus was already giving a hint in his ministry. Heaven and earth shall pass away. They are going away. They're going to be dissolved and melted, and they'll disappear. 1 Thessalonians 1.10, you're going to hear a few times, and it's a great verse. 1 Thessalonians 1.10. These Thessalonians changed their lives. We have just studied Paul's preaching trips to find these people. They changed their lives. They turned from idols to serve the living God and to wait for his son from heaven because Jesus is coming back. This son God raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come, from the wrath to come. There is wrath coming on this planet, and Jesus has delivered us from it, and it ought to change our lives. Second Thessalonians, which I gave you in your preparatory email yesterday. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, about the coming of Jesus Christ, seeing it is a righteous thing. It is right what God is going to do. Don't you question it. Don't you doubt it. Don't you wonder about it. Don't you try to modify it. It is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation, to cause pain and suffering to them that trouble you. We just read about a martyr. What were you thinking of Thomas Cranmer? Whatever you were thinking of Thomas Cranmer, we sang about Thomas Cranmer in Psalm 58, and appropriately so. I don't care what kind of an English hero he is in tainted history of that nation. It is a righteous thing with God. And if it's God's righteousness to recompense, to repay tribulation, pain and suffering to those that trouble the Thessalonians. And to you who are troubled, you Thessalonians that are being troubled by these men, rest with us. You can go ahead and take it easy. Rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven, Jesus is coming from heaven with his mighty angels. When Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance. In flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God. And we want to know God. And we want to know God rightly. And we want to know the right God rightly. Them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's more than to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to obey the claims of the gospel about our lives. The gospel of Jesus Christ hits every part of our lives. Financial lives. Thought lives. Marital lives. Employment. Every part of our lives the Bible addresses. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Fire looks something like that. Fire hurts. Fire burns. Fire melts. Fire dissolves. He's coming in flaming fire. He's not just coming in fire. He's coming in flaming fire, and he's coming in flaming fire for vengeance. Vengeance. Revenge. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. When the God of heaven said that, he didn't mean that there shouldn't be any vengeance in the universe. He said, it's just all mine. It's mine. Vengeance is mine, and he's going to show it in flaming fire. And I saw a great white throne. John wrote in Revelation chapter 20, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. The Jesus that they want to put in pictures, that Catholic Jesus that is in Baptist churches, the only Jesus picture you've ever seen is a Catholic Jesus. No one else would dare paint the face of him that we're going to stand before. His face is not going to make you feel comfortable, and you're not going to think he's that effeminate man that the Catholics paint. From his face, the earth and the heaven will flee away. Remember, the end of the universe is our subject. We are going to find it throughout the Bible. The earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. They didn't have a place in this solar system, in this galaxy, or in the universe. They fled from the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. That's our angle on this coming future event. We get a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. We don't need boats. We need land. We're, we're walking creatures. There's no more sea. No more danger. No more tsunamis. The new heaven and the new earth that the Lord's going to give us. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. A lake of fire. If you're not found written in the book of life. Now God wrote our names in the book of life before the world began. How can we know that our names are in the book of life? But by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and obeying his gospel in every part of our lives. And it should be exciting to do so because he has been so kind to tell us what is coming and it will not touch us because he drank the full cup of the wrath of God for us, including its dregs. The lake of fire is coming. It was once a lake of water, and water covered the earth. Fifteen cubits up from the highest mountain. And every living creature, including all birds, drowned. And every man. And every man. And every man drowned. You see, but there were, it says every man drowned. Of course, it's excluding the eight inside. Every man drowned because God is going to send fire. And it's a pity that you know so little about fire. How many in here have ever been burned? Seriously burned? Noah, see me afterwards and I'll help you understand that you have never been burned. I have no entertainment for you, brethren, unless you love the written words of the living God, because I love them, and I have lots of them for you. How do I get your attention for the fiery wrath of God coming? Since you know nothing about fire, you know nothing about pain, you know nothing about suffering, and you know nothing about war. How do I tell you? How do I get your attention? 
Let's start with this picture. This is a picture of the street of Tokyo on March 10th, 1945. That's a mother and her child charred by the firebombing of Tokyo, Japan on March 10th, 1945. 125,000 were charred and burned up just like that. Worse than any atomic bomb we've ever dropped anywhere. Those are the B-29 super fortresses, strata fortresses that we had. We sent 300 of them. They each carried seven tons. Curtis LeMay had a brilliant idea. They had wasted their time bombing for four years by high-altitude precision bombing with explosive bombs. 30,000 feet and up, they flew those planes. They had to carry so much fuel to get all the way there and all the way back. They could only carry a small payload. They couldn't hit anything. They couldn't hit the broadside. They couldn't drop a tennis ball in the ocean. It was just wasted effort for years. Curtis LeMay came up with a new idea. We'll fly these planes in at 5,000 feet instead of 30. We'll rip out all their guns except one tail gun. We'll only take part of the fuel because we won't have to fly so high and so far. And they were able to double the payload of the bombs. Seven tons per plane, 300 planes. We discovered that in the interior of Tokyo was an area that was the densest, most populated place on earth. And that the houses they lived in were made of wood and bamboo. That night, there was a minimum of 30 degrees, 30 miles per hour wind with gusts of 50 and 70. The purpose was simple. Bomb and burn them till they quit. Those are the words of Curtis LeMay, United States Army Air Force, in this planned attack. 12.08 in the middle of the night, they arrived. The Japanese by this time had no defense. That is what the city looked like the next day. The buildings that are standing, they're brick and stone. Nobody lived inside them. All the air was, su was sucked out of those buildings, and they were burned alive. 16 square miles. No one hardly knows about it, because listen, if you can say the word atomic bomb and spell it in a spelling test, that's about as much as they require to graduate from high school these days. This is far worse than the atomic bomb. Here's another picture of the 16 square miles of Tokyo. Here's a picture of another street. So it wouldn't just have one or two for you. Fire, charred bodies, burning. You don't know anything about it. You've never seen it. You've never been threatened by it. You've never been through a war. The wars that we fight are little skirmishes elsewhere in the world that you don't have to deal with up close and personal with people coming home in body bags. We're too sheltered to appreciate what's coming. This is coming. Fiery wrath and vengeance of God. And so we need to look at pictures sometimes instead of me telling you about what happened in Tokyo. Listen to this. Americans were glad. Americans were glad for Tokyo's loss of 125,000 civilians, 267,000 buildings. They were counted. The 125 is by the Tokyo Police Department. Many say that it was two or three times that. And a million homeless because of Pearl Harbor 
and the years of war they had put us through. They wanted to attack us on Sunday morning, December 7th, 1941. We'll burn them until they quit. And so Americans celebrated. The Chinese celebrated. The Chinese celebrated on March 10th or March 11th or 12th when they got the news of what we did to Tokyo for their loss of 125,000 civilians and the buildings and a million homeless for the rape and the massacre of Nanking, China, when the Japanese took control in the late 30s. But, but, you know, Chinese were glad, Americans were glad, Chinese were glad and celebrated, Americans were glad and celebrated, but men will not accept a holy and jealous God that has righteous wrath for greater crimes, far greater crimes, unbelievable, the twisted selfishness, rebellion against God that men have, they will not let him be a God of wrath and anger and judgment and fiery judgment to pour out on his enemies, but we can do it whenever we feel like it, including civilians. That 125,000, there wasn't a military target there. We had gone past that point. We didn't want to waste any more time in that war. And I totally agree with the methodology because it's scriptural. David never limited himself to military targets. When God sent his people in to kill a nation, it was genocide and annihilation. You can read it in the Bible because the property was theirs. And that's enough on that particular subject. You remember this event? I don't care how it was caused. That is irrelevant. You can play all the mental games you want to with it. Don't miss the point. The point is, it got hot in there. Airplane fuel, when it burns, is hot. This is what it looked like just a few years ago. This is what it looked like. They jumped. They jumped. From 100 stories up, they jumped. From 90 stories up, they jumped. The heat on their back was sufficient to jump. Thank me later. You can send me an email that I didn't provide any pictures of jumpers. Because there's some good ones now. There's some very good ones in in HD, up close and personal. How hot was it for 200 to jump to their certain deaths below? That's hot. Most Americans appreciated what we did to Iraq just 18 months later. It doesn't matter about WMDs. I couldn't care less about a conspiracy or not. Americans rejoiced that we had executed some fiery vengeance on at least perceived enemies. But men will not accept a holy and jealous God that has righteous wrath for far greater crimes. Men will not accept a holy and jealous God. The Bible tells us that our God is jealous. He created us and gave us a perfect universe to live in. And we corrupted it and have blasphemed and sinned against him as a race since creation. He has a righteous wrath for far greater crimes. The world loves this movie. I believe it was 1982. First Blood, Rambo. They love this guy because he took an M30, an M60. An M60 shoots 30 rounds that are 30 caliber. And he shot up a whole city because a sheriff asked a vagrant to stay away. We would be thankful for such a sheriff. The whole movie is based on his revenge against a whole town because the sheriff saw this worthless creature and asked him not to stay in that town. 
He's, he was a vagrant. There's nothing wrong with a sheriff asking a vagrant to go on and bother the next town. Right. But he shot up the whole town for it, and it was a great movie. They loved it. They celebrated. When he was going off with that M60, it was just music to their ears. Music to my ears. I don't care who you want to pick on. Why do we celebrate something like that in the way of vengeance? They'll celebrate Rambo destroying a town because the sheriff asked the vagrant to stay away, but men will not accept a holy and jealous God that has righteous wrath for far greater crimes. Why don't they want to submit to the, our holy creator? But they'll celebrate vengeance, wrath, fire, burning, shooting, death, mayhem, as long as they get to pick the enemy. Right. Authority. They love to pick the enemy. Authority. Why preach this subject? For you to know the God of the Bible. I have a few reasons. I've never preached to you without a few reasons. For you to know earth's certain future. For you to appreciate salvation rightly. For you to relax about evil in the earth. It's unbelievable the time wasted. Right. Who cares about politics? They're junior high students out in the hall having an argument. Right. Let them do their own thing. We have someone who's in charge. Right. He's our savior, our king, our lord, our brother, and the head of this church. He's the bishop of our souls. He's the great shepherd. He'll never lose one of us. Right. To preach as John, Jesus, and the apostles preached. Mm -hmm. To counteract an ignorance conspiracy, which you read about in 2 Peter chapter 3. To declare Bible content against fables which are being preached in most pulpits today. And to change you to be a sure overcomer because the overcomers will inherit all things, including a new heaven and a new earth. Amen. Can I back up why I'm preaching this subject? Let's hope that I can. What's the first one? For you to know the God of the Bible. And they bend their tongues like their bow for lies. This is Jeremiah 9.3. They bend their tongues like their bow for lies. Bows are bent, right? These are bent tongues that lie, but they are not valiant for the truth not valiant for the truth upon the earth, for they proceed from evil to evil. They know not me, saith the Lord. I'm a, I want to correct that today. I want you to know the God of the Bible. These men, and this was the church of God of the Old Testament, did not know the God of the Bible. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Hegion, Selah. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executes. The God of the Bible is known by his judgment. He's not just known by a rose or looking at your baby's eyelashes. The God of the Bible is known by the judgment which he executeth. That's what the Bible says. That's what I believe. That's what I preach. I hope you believe it. For as I passed by, Paul told the philosophers in Athens, Greece, as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him, declare I unto you. And do you know how that declaration ended? God has assured all men by the resurrection of Jesus Christ that he is coming back to judge this world. He winked at times past at their rebellion, idolatry, and blasphemy, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he's going to judge the world. 
They profess that they know God. Paul told Titus about many Christians in that time, and many Jews especially. They profess, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable, disobedient, and to every good work reprobate. They say they know God. Joel Osteen doesn't know God. Joel Osteen doesn't know anything about God. Joel Osteen wouldn't know God if God came up and introduced himself to him like he has with creation, providence, conscience, and scripture. They don't know God. They profess that they know him. Who, knowing the judgment of God, Romans chapter 1, condemning the whole human race, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. They know God's judgment. They know that there are certain acts that are worthy of death. They do those acts, and they have pleasure in friends that do them as well, and they have pleasure in actors and actresses which portray them on television and the movie screen. Why preach this subject? For you to know earth's certain future. The end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. For you to appreciate salvation rightly. Unto me, Paul said, who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. They are unsearchable. We cannot fully and rightly appreciate salvation until we know what we are saved from and what we are saved to. And then we want to know how we were saved from it and how we were saved to it and by whom we were saved from it and saved to it. And we're going to learn all that today by considering the end of the universe because it's not the end of our universe. Why preach the subject? For you to relax about evil in the earth. And to you who are troubled, none of you are troubled, but you make yourselves troubled. You actually read news. It's never complete news. It's usually fake news, especially if it's from a conservative source. You trouble yourself. Why trouble yourself? Rest with us. The Lord Jesus is coming. He's going to be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. That's what you need to read about. That's what you need to think about. To preach as John, Jesus, and the apostles. Look at John the Baptist. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized. He should have been celebrating. He had a whole multitude coming to be baptized. He called them vipers. O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Now, he did have a different wrath under mind than I have today, but I want to tell you how he preached. This is the first Baptist preacher, John the Baptist. How did he preach? Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? What are you doing out here? Bring forth some fruits, meat for repentance. Show me a changed life. Don't come out here and expect me to cater to you or to coddle you. I have nothing for you, you generation of vipers. That's how the first Baptist preacher preached. To counteract an ignorance conspiracy. For this, they willingly are ignorant of. The greatest ignorance a person can ever have is to stubbornly resist the truth. They willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water and the flood came. They're ignorant of the flood. These were Jews. These were Jews. And they willingly chose to forget the flood. We can't forget the flood. Jesus wants to remember us to remember the flood. Peter wants us to remember the flood. We have to remember the flood. Right. 
The flood's a real event. And the next event is like the flood, just a whole lot worse. To declare Bible content against fables. This is what it's like today in America. I'm supposed to preach the word. I'm supposed to be insistent, pressing, and urgent, which is what the word instant means, in season or out of season. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. No one wants to endure sound doctrine anymore and preaching. But after their own lusts, shall they heap to themselves teachers with itching ears. They want a teacher with a Q-tip that's going to tickle their little fancy with his fables and storytelling. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And so we must counteract that with Bible content against what's being preached in most pulpits today. To change you to be a sure overcomer. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. I will be his God. He shall be my son. That is a wonderful promise right there. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. The new heaven and the new earth. All things. See, all things are going to be burned up, dissolved, and melt. But there's going to be brand new things made for us. And they're going to be all ours if we overcome. Are you an overcomer? Are you overcoming your lust? Are you overcoming your laziness? Are you overcoming your moods? Are you overcoming your emotional impulsiveness? Are you overcoming your stubbornness? Are you overcoming anything else you want to mention? Because the Bible has a whole lot to say to us. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Do you believe the Bible? You truly believe all of it? We're going to find out. Let's find out if we believe the whole Bible. God is very angry. God is very angry, full of great fury and wrath against his enemies. Some verses you may not know. Nahum 1-2. God is jealous, and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. 